This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Thank you guys all so much for being here. As Pastor mentioned, Pastor Dustin here, the youth and uh, uh, family pastor. Uh, Katie and I have had the privilege to serve here uh, for seven, uh, a little over seven years now. And uh, Katie absolutely loves to be to stand and be pointed out. So if we could have Katie stand one more time. There she is. If we could have her stand one more time. I'm just kidding. She's going to kill me later. Lord, I pray that she would forget this moment. In Jesus' name. Now, we have the honor and the privilege to be able to serve, and obviously the relationship that we're forming and, and with Pastor and Shelly. And, uh, I'm so grateful uh, that Pastor has asked me to be a part of this series uh, that we're preaching here uh, titled Called Out, uh, in which we're going over the book of Exodus. And uh, last week, Pastor did a great job. I was able to go back, even though we were not able to be in service with you as we were traveling back from Love is Red. Awesome conference. Hopefully, uh, if your students went to Love is Red, they've had an opportunity to share with you what the Lord did in their lives. And there's a reason why I'm wearing the shirt that says Revival is here, because Revival is here. Revival is now. I'm so sick and tired of looking towards the future. I believe that Revival is here. And if you don't believe that, I'm praying that the Lord will just reveal that to you here this morning. Uh, but I'm so thankful that Pastor has allowed me to be a part of this. And as I said last week, he laid the groundwork for how the series is going to unfold over the next several weeks. You guys have the privilege. Well, hopefully by the end of, the, of today, you'll think it's a privilege uh, that you're going to hear from me not only today, but you're going to hear from me next Sunday morning as uh, I'm going to be talking about what you're called out. Today, we're talking about how you're called out of suffering. Uh, and next week, we have a really special service uh, for all of you. Uh, next week, we're going to have a missions emphasis service. And the reason why we're calling it missions emphasis is because, as I've been saying, I've been uh, kind of dropping little hints here and there. We're actually going to be taking a team of eight of us to Ecuador in the summer in July. Uh, we believe that the Lord is opening up an awesome door for us to be able to go and serve. If you're on the Ecuador team, if you're here, could you raise, can you stand up? Katie, you got to stand up again. We're bringing Katie, is, uh, Rachel's here, I don't know if Olivia's here, we've got several others, young adults and stuff, we're bringing a team of eight, Caleb's in the back there, we're going to be joining with a team from Kania, and to 24 of us total are going to be heading down to Ecuador in about mid-July, so uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit about what that's going to look like and how you can help support us. We're asking uh, for financial support, as you know, eight of us, total cost of the trip is going to be around $16,000, so if you have a $16,000 in your account and you want to write that check for us, check's payable to the church, uh, Sister uh, Heather will make sure it gets to the proper location. Uh, but in all seriousness, though, we are talking about uh, next week, we're going to have some, some people are going to be performing. The dance team is going to be performing. There's Olivia and, and Erica. Erica, it's daylight savings time. Service started an hour ago. I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you. Um, but we're going to be talking about uh, the Ecuador trip as well as how God is calling us to obedience. God is calling us to obedience. And today, as, I, as it says on the screen there, we're talking about how we're called out of suffering. Called out of suffering. It's no secret that we live in a world where there are a lot of differences that exist between people. 
And we've seen those differences come to the surface and have been, the light has been shining on those differences, especially over the last few years. And, and we've, instead of embracing differences, we've chosen to uh, kind of build a wall between us and say, well, you're different than I am, so I'm not going to be able to, to interact with you. And, and you've seen how that unfolds. Today is not a day where we're going to talk about that, but these differences that are, exist between each and every one of us is race and skin color, economics, language, the passions and desires that each of us have. Maybe you come from a different background than somebody else, and there are countless other differences that exist. In this room, there are countless differences that exist between each and every one of us. And it's awesome that we have the differences. It's, we need to embrace those differences and, 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 and allow the Lord to work through those differences. However, in a world full of differences, there's one thing that we all share. We all experience suffering. We all have to experience suffering. And the suffering that we experience ranges from person to person, but we all experience it. One of the things that I have suffered from, and from the beginning parts of my life all the way up until recently, I have suffered from an allergy to poison ivy. Anybody allergic to poison ivy? How many of you love poison ivy? If you love poison, that's false. You don't love poison ivy. You do, Keith, huh? I absolutely hate poison ivy. I thankfully, as I've grown older, I've learned to stay away from poison ivy. And my mom used to always tell me, you know, you're allergic to poison ivy, Dustin. If you would just stay away from poison ivy, you wouldn't get poison ivy. But I swear that I didn't have to even go. If I heard somebody talk about poison ivy, I got it. I was that allergic to poison ivy. Anybody that allergic to poison ivy that if you, listen, I'm sorry if you get poison ivy right now because I'm talking about it. But I was so allergic to poison ivy. It was something that I suffered with. Literally every time spring hit all the way through fall, I can't tell you how many years of my life that I had to endure the suffering of poison ivy. If you know suffering uh, from poison ivy, you itch all over your body. But there was one year in my life that I got poison ivy and chicken pox at the same exact time. You want to talk about suffering. It was awful. I was the poster child for calamine lotion. I'm not even kidding you. There were times when I was younger at the time uh, where my mom would just cake calamine lotion on me, and I'd sit in our living room just on the floor like this and not move just because it was awful. And I had this patch, and I'm not trying to get too graphic. Katie will tell me later if I am. Uh, I got this patch of calamine, or, uh, calamine lotion, of poison ivy and chicken pox under my right thigh mixed all together. It was the worst suffering from that chicken pox or poison ivy that I ever had in my entire life. I got it all over my face, and I remember, I remember so often, I would, and I, we didn't really, I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord at the time because we were still young, and I just remember so many times waking up, my brother and I, we had bunk beds. He would sleep on the top bunk, I'd sleep on the bottom bunk, and halfway through the night, I'd get up wanting itch, and I would just cry out to God, God, take this pain, take this, I wanted to rip my face off. Because it itched so bad. And my brother would wake up, be like, what's going on down there? I was about ready to have my own Pentecostal throwdown, Holy Ghost and filled service just to be able to get rid of the suffering from poison ivy that I had. I itched everywhere. And it was so painful and unwanted. And I'd pray to God. I, I, there were times where I thought that God didn't even care about me. He wasn't hearing my prayers. And that's the thing about suffering. It's painful. And often unwanted. 
While we are experiencing time of suffering, we often pray to God uh, that he would deliver us. And sometimes we get an instant answer to our prayer, and the suffering recedes. But more often than not, there are times in our lives when we pray and we still suffer, and it causes us to question God. Am I the only one in the room? We wonder whether God has forgotten about us or if he cannot hear us. And maybe you're in that position this morning. You're suffering from some kind of ailment or condition. And you've prayed and you've had other prayer, people pray. You've come to the front and you've had been anointed with oil, yet you're still dealing with the effects of that ailment or condition. You're still suffering from what it is that you are suffering from. Since you're still suffering, if you're real and honest with yourself, you often wonder whether or not God still cares about you. Because that's the thing about suffering. When we're suffering with something, that's all we can think about. It's literally right there in front of our faces. And when we're, we're going through that moment of suffering, we can't think about anything else because that's all that we're going through. When I had poison ivy and chicken pox all at the same time, that's all I can think about. God, just take this away. And we wonder whether or not God actually cares. Well, I believe that if you're here this morning and you're suffering, this is a word for you. In fact, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. Over the last several weeks, I've been praying for you. And I, in the passage that Jason read this morning, two passages that he read this morning, we learned that the Israelites in the book of Exodus at the beginning were in the same position you are in this morning if you're suffering. For years, and later we learned beyond this chapter, over 400 years the Israelites had to suffer under Egyptian leaders. The reason why they suffered is because if you, a little Bible story here, if at the end of uh, Genesis, the, the Israelites actually had favor while they were in Egypt because Joseph was still alive. And you don't know anything about Joseph. I know pastors preached about Joseph before. Joseph was able to help uh, to reveal dreams to Pharaoh and all that. So he had favor with the Israelites. But unfortunately, Joseph at the end of Genesis dies. And at the beginning parts of Exodus, you learn that as the, uh, the uh, Israelites in Egypt were having favor, they were prospering, they were growing, and it says they were multiplying in numbers. And unfortunately, the Pharaoh, because Joseph had died, for the Pharaoh who was in charge at the beginning of Exodus had forgotten about the favor, and he was starting to get a little nervous. He was fearful that the Israelites were multiplying in number, and what they were going to do is they were going to multiply so much that they were either going to uprise and overtake his kingdom on their own, or they were going to join with the surrounding forces and overthrow his power. The pharaohs really cared about power. They wanted power. So what they did, and, and, and you see all throughout up until chapter 2, you see the pharaoh, he, he, uh, his pressure on the Israelites increases. He said, well, guess what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to make them suffer. We're going to make them kill their firstborn male child. We're going to make them kill their firstborn. We're not going to do it, though, as Egyptians. We're going to make the Israelites do it themselves. Suffering. And that, that, what he learned, though, is that didn't, they didn't squash the movement or whatever, so he increased the suffering, and he took all the rights of the Israelites away. He made them work tough jobs in a tough climate. He did not give them any time off. He treated them like absolute garbage. He treated them as slaves because he thought, if I could just hold them under bondage, they're not going to have the strength and energy to uprise. But 
the Lord had something else in, in mind because the more he pressed, the more he caused suffering, the more the Lord was working and the more the Lord was, was moving and the more the Lord was intervening in the situation. And I just want to tell you here this morning before I get started with any part of my notes that as the, the enemy's crushing down on you and in the moments in which you're suffering and as it feels like the walls are closing in, you may feel as though that the Lord is not answering you, the Lord cannot see you. I'm just come by to remind you this morning that just as as was the case all the way back in Exodus, so too is the case today. God sees you, God hears you, God knows where you are, and guess what? He's working in your favor. I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying. Maybe you can't understand what I'm saying because you're not suffering. But I'll tell you what, that should be a word of, of, of joy to those who are experiencing suffering. As a result of the suffering... The Israelites cried out and groaned in the midst of their suffering. And you see that at the end of chapter 2 where, where they're crying out day after day after day. They would pray to God, believing that God would deliver them because they knew of the promises that were, that were given all the way back in Genesis 15, how God was going to make them a great people, how God was going to give them the territory that they needed, yet they were still experiencing the suffering. So they would cry out to God. They would cry out to God every day when they'd have to go to work. They would cry out to God, so much so like us, crying out to God. These passages tell us that God heard their prayer. Let me just tell you that one more time. God heard their prayer, and he was going to, to, to deliver them. And today we're going to talk about, by taking a close look at these examples, of what we need to know in our times of suffering, because listen, I need to remind you guys of this this morning. If not, I need to remind myself of this. The same God that we serve, who's all, he's always been present with people in times of suffering. He's currently present with people during times of suffering, and he will always be present in, with people in times of suffering. Let me say that one more time. God, the God that we worship, the God that we said, your presence is here, move and fill this place. That same God was, is present, has always been present with you in your times of suffering, currently is present with you in your, right this very moment. If you're suffering, he's here with you. He's here to give you comfort. He's here to give you strength. And guess what? Not only is he in the past present, he's also with you in the future. He will always be with you in your times of suffering. But what do we need to know from these passages? The first thing we need to know is that in our times of suffering, God hears our cries. In our times of suffering, God hears our cries. And both the passages we see that uh, Jason read, we, we, we see that God heard the cries of the Israelites. He heard their cries. The Hebrew word used here for God hearing is an active form of the verb. What does that mean? That means that God was actively hearing their cries, but not only actively hearing, but the same verb used for hearing means that he had always heard their cries. He was actively hearing them cry out and groan out in the midst of the suffering that was taking place. He, all, he was hearing it, but he always heard it. So when it says that God heard it, their cries, it means he heard their current cry as well as the cries that went up to him prior to that moment. Now the question is this, and it's a question we often have. Well, if God heard their cries before, why didn't he deliver them earlier? Question you probably have wondered yourself. 
in the midst of suffering. God, you're hearing my cries. I've been crying out to you. I've been asking for deliverance. I've been asking for healing for this, this ailment, this condition for years now. God, are you even listening? Are you even, are you even listening? Can, if you hear my cries, why don't you deliver me? And to that question, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to the question. But one thing I do know is I, I think we get so caught up in trying to understand God's, what God does and, and, and understand what God is all about that we are able, or we're often able to, uh, to, to, to focus on what it is the problem is, but we don't focus on the fact that if we were to know who God was and all about God, that would make us God. So yeah, I don't know the answer to your question. If you're suffering this morning, you've been crying out to God for year after year, I don't know why God has not delivered you up until this point. But what I do know is that we, we can find hope that in, during our suffering, if we cry out to God and continue to cry out to God, he will hear you. For those who are suffering this morning, one of the biggest mistakes you can ever make is give up on crying out to God for relief. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to, to do. You say, well, you've been crying out. You've been praying to God for year after year. Why don't you just give up? God's not listening anyway. Why don't you just give up? God doesn't care anyway. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, and that's one of the biggest mistakes you could ever do. Well, I've cried all I can cry. Cry some more. Well, I've done everything I could do. I've, I've gone away in my prayer closet. I've, do, it an, do it another day. Do it another day. Maybe that day will be the day that God chooses to deliver you. Maybe that day will be the day that God chooses to intervene in your situation. As Christians, it's not our job to question why we are crying out to God to no avail, but to cry out to him and have faith that he will answer. Book of Psalms 18, chapter, chapter 18, verse 6 says this, In my time of distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. The crying out to God for help is an active response to the suffering that takes place in our lives. So you need to keep crying out to God. I've been there. I'll tell you, there, there's been, it's recently, there's been moments in my life where I've been going through situations mentally and just trying to make sense of certain things and, and all that. And just, God, just, just, just give me an answer, God. Give me an answer, God. And I, I, I've gone and I've prayed for hours at a time. And Katie's in bed. The girls are on, I'm in bed. I'm in the office just on my face before the Lord. And, I, and I'm listening to worship music. And I'm thinking, okay, God, I'm giving you everything I got. I'm, 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 I'm praying to you in English and my broken Spanish. I'm praying to you every language I possibly got. God, why are you not listening? God, why are you not? And there's been times where I've been crying out to him where I felt discouraged. There's been times where I've cried out to him where I'm praying for the salvation of my family members, where I've been praying for my older brother literally for 12 plus years now, and I'm praying and I'm crying out to God, God, do you even hear me? God, do you even hear me? There are times when the enemy whispers in my ear and says, God doesn't care. God doesn't hear you, even in the midst of my moment. And I'll tell you what, when you're in those weak moments, it's very easy to believe that lie. But I'm just here to tell you this morning, keep crying out to God. Keep crying out to God. Keep crying out to God because he hears you. He hears the cries of his people. He cares about the cries of his people. And it's just, God, he's getting set to move and work on your behalf. I feel like I'm cracking in the mic here. We need to keep crying out to God, and if you're suffering, you need to keep crying out to God because he hears you, because he hears you. 
The second thing we need to know in our midst of suffering is that God sees you where you are. God sees you where you are. This passage says that God saw the Israelites right where they were. God saw the harsh treatment that they were being treated with from the Egyptians. God saw them in the midst of their suffering and all that was taking place around them. The word used for God seeing here is actually should be translated that God has carefully watched or paid very close attention to their times of suffering. These, these terms indicate that the, the intensity in which God is interested in the misery of his people. It reminds me in the book of Acts, and, and Luke is writing in the book of Acts about the first martyr, Stephen. As he's being stoned, Luke records that God, and he sees God, Jesus in heaven standing up at attention because he sees the moment of suffering that is taking place for his people. Just as God saw and was interested in the suffering of the Israelites, so too does he see you and is interested in your time of suffering as well. God sees you in your time of suffering. God sees you in your time of suffering. You may feel like the whole world has turned their back on you. We feel like your closest friends, your relatives even, have turned their back on you because it feels like you've expelled all your resources in the midst of your time of suffering. And you may feel like you're all alone and, and isolated, and, and that's what the enemy wants you to be. He wants you to feel like you're all alone and isolated. But let me just tell you this morning, God sees you in the midst of your suffering. God is watching closely in your midst of suffering, and he's, he's, he's intently interested in what you're doing. God sees you in your suffering. It may seem like God's seeing us, and it may seem like he's forgotten about us or he doesn't care, but I'm here to remind you that God has never forgotten about you. God has never forgotten about you. In fact, in our times of suffering, God is more attentive and closer to us than we'd ever think. How many of you have ever been through a moment of suffering and have overcome that suffering and you feel like you're, you were closer to God than you've ever been during that time of suffering? It's almost like everybody else has turned their back on you, but the God of the universe, the God who flung all the stars into place that scientists are trying to figure out, the God who knows every hair on your head, mine a little less than pastors, but that's okay. The God who, 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 who knows each and every person, God sees you. God sees you in the midst of your suffering. Luke Colburn, God sees you. God sees you. He has not forgotten about you. God sees you in the midst of your suffering. The enemy wants us to believe that God has forgotten about us, but the devil is a liar. That's what Paul's opponents in 2 Corinthians and all throughout Paul's ministry, they thought that because Paul suffered on behalf of the ministry that he was further away from God than they were. But really, if you look at 2 Corinthians specifically, Paul says, I take great joy in my suffering because it's through my suffering that I feel closer to God and I feel closer to the Savior, Jesus Christ, who, who went and laid a, a, paid, a, prepared a way for us through the suffering of the cross. God sees you in the midst of your suffering. Don't give up because God sees you 
So God hears your cries. He sees you in the midst of your suffering. But also, and the third thing is, God remembers his promises. (laughs) How many of you are thankful that God remembers his promises? How many of you have had a promise spoken over you in your life, and you're just waiting for it to come to fruition? God remembers his promises over you. We learn that when God heard the cry of the Israelites, he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob made over 400 years prior to the moment in which he set to deliver. It's important to note, though, that the word remember here should not be misunderstood. God never forgets anything. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 to 16, it says this, Can a woman forget nursing her child? Can she have no pity on the son to whom she gave birth? Even these forget, but I will never forget you. See, I have marked your names on my hands. Your walls are always before me. The term remember does not mean that God ever forgot. What it does mean is that God now saw that it was time for his promise to come to pass. So when I say that God remembers his promises, it doesn't mean that, oh, God gave me a promise back in my life six years ago. Oh, and uh, lots happened since then, Lord, I get it. You probably forgot, but I'm going to remind you. No, 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 no. It means that God remembers the promise that he made six years ago, and it's time for that promise to come to pass. Here's the problem. We want to try to put God in our hands. We want to try to put God in our box and say, God, remember and work on this behalf, this promise. I'll tell you what, there are promises that were spoken over my life back when I was a kid, back when I was 12 years old, that I'm still waiting for it to come to fruition. But I'll tell you what, God never has forgotten those promises. I'm just waiting for those promises to come to pass. God remembers the promises that were spoken over your life. Let's, let's take it a little bit bigger. God remembers the promises that have been spoken over this church. Come on, somebody. God remembers the promises. And you may be new to this church, but I'll tell you what. There have been multiple promises that have been spoken over this church that if we could only just see a glimpse of what God has in store this church, we'd be on the edge of our seats in anticipation of what God is going to do. And there are times, I'll tell you, with these seasoned saints who have been at this church since the inception of this church, there have probably been times where we're like, God, have you forgotten? God, was that you? And no, God is saying, no, 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 no. I remember the promise, but it's just not time for my promise to come to pass in your life. Let me just tell you this morning that, listen, God remembers the promise in your life. I don't care if it was a promise that was made 70 years ago. God remembers the promise that's in your life. God remembers a promise that was made over 400 years prior to this moment. God remembers. Not because he forgot. No, 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 no. God remembers because it's time. Everybody say, it's time. It's time. It's time. And God knew that it was time. For it to come to pass. The problem is that when we go through times of suffering, we think God has forgotten about us and his promises. But God is not a man. Thank the Lord. God is not a man that he should forget. And he's willing to do everything to fulfill his promises in our lives. When going through times of suffering, know that God has not forgotten about you. God has not forgotten about you. Why don't we just go ahead and take a moment, just close your eyes and say, thank you, Lord, for not forgetting about your people. Thank you, Lord, for not forgetting your promises over our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you still have a plan and a purpose that, Lord God, is coming to fruition. 
Yes, Lord, I thank you for the promises that have been spoken over this church, Lord God. The promises that we've been able to see, but also the promises that are still to come. We thank you for those, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fourth point we need to realize about this passage is in our time of suffering, we need to realize that God will respond. God will respond. In both of these passages, we learn that not only does God hear our cries, see us in our suffering, and remember his promises, we need to realize that God responds. God responds. Notice that when God responds, two points emerge. The first point is this. It's always in his timing. Here's the problem. <laughs> we know that it's, we say it's right and amen when we're here in church and we're in front of everybody else and all that kind of stuff. But when we're alone in our rooms going through times of suffering, it's really hard to trust and rely on God's timing. Because this is what we do. We take it and say, okay, God, you're not doing this quick enough. I'm going to take this. I'm going to try to do things on my time. And what happens? We fail miserably. What we find from this is God's response is always in God's timing. And you can't push fast forward on God's timing. You see, all throughout the Old Testament and, and even into the New Testament, there are people who tried to push fast forward on God's timing and seeing his promises and all that come to pass. But God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. It's my timing. For 430 years, the Israelites were under Egyptian bondage. And I'm sure that every one of them, if you were to ask them, the generations that went through, if you were to ask them, hey, are you ready to be delivered? I'm sure every single day they'd say, yes, we're ready to be delivered. But God was not ready. It's always under his time. And the second point we need to realize about God's response is he responds personally. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God who's not far off in the distance? And, and, if you, and listen, there are people in the world that want you to believe that. Hello? There are religions in this world that want you to believe that. That God is so far off and he, could care, he couldn't care less about what's going on in your lives. But what I love about this passage is that I believe it's the first passage in Exodus. Uh, it, it says, uh, yes, Exodus 23 to 25, he looked down on the people of Israel and knew that it was time to act, and he was personally going to get involved in their situation and in their suffering. I'm thankful that God responds to us per personally. The problem is our suffering causes us to try and force our timing on God's, and we want God to respond personally but within our parameters. Yeah, God, you come do it, yeah. But listen, uh, God, when you respond, and you do, can, you, uh, can you do this? Make sure it's this, and make sure pastor's there, and, and make sure everybody can see it. And No, 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 God, <laughs> it's my timing. I want to come and respond personally. We see a God who wants to be actively involved in our lives personally by sending his son Jesus for us. I'm so thankful that God showed us the way through Jesus. And we, we've been talking in, in, in youth group about what it means to follow after Jesus. And Jesus, yes, it's great. We celebrate the fact that Jesus came and died on a cross and forgave us our sins. But Jesus also came to give us a roadmap to say this is what it means to follow me. A God who wanted to get involved in our lives personally. God who wanted to get in lives, involved in our lives personally. When we hear that God will respond to our suffering, 
suffering, we often cheer and get excited. However, that excitement is quickly quenched when we realize that God's response is in his timing and not ours. It's important to note that in the Exodus story that things got a lot worse for the Israelites before they started to get a little bit better for them. We hear about God's deliverance and his promise to deliver them here in chapters 2 and 3, but the deliverance actually does not take place until chapter 13. That's 10 chapters. A lot of time passes before God's plan and God's purpose comes to, comes to uh, tr- fruition. During that time of waiting, you see in, in Exodus, and I'm not sure what pastor is going to talk about, but there are times when the Israelites and even Moses himself grew impatient. And they, they, they talk about it. They write it down. Moses writes it down, how the Israelites lashed out. And Moses even went up and questioned God about, God, what's going on? What's going on? But God gave them the faith to believe that he was still going to intervene. You know what I'm praying this morning? And I've been praying is that God is going to fulfill the promises in your life and he's going to give you the faith that you need to be able to see to it that it happens. Because the worst thing that could happen in our lives is we could give up. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of all that we're going through, the worst thing that we could do is give up because we thought that God would respond the way that we thought he was going to respond only to find out that we, it's his timing, not ours, and we, just, we, we want to just give up. We want to forget that God hears us, that God sees us, that that God knows you where you are, and God's going to respond. But because God doesn't do it in our time, we tend to want to give up. Let's come by to remind you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up in your moments of suffering. I tell these students all the time, take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out. If you have breath in your lungs, that means God is not done with you yet. And it also means that the enemy hasn't won. Because if the enemy had it his way, Jason wouldn't have read scripture to me. Pastor wouldn't be here. None of us would be here if the enemy had his way. But how many of you are thankful that God responds in the midst of those moments and in the midst of those situations, those moments when we look back on our lives that the enemy wanted to come and just completely take us out, but God's saying, no, 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 I'm going to move and I'm going to intervene on the part of my people. God sees you, God hears you, God knows you, and he's going to respond in the midst of your suffering. You just have to hold on and wait. Some of the hardest, listen, I've always said, uh, Maybe this is wrong, and we'll talk about it after. It's easy to accept a yes answer from God. And sometimes we can even, after some time of prayer and intercession, accept a no. But one of the most difficult responses to get from God and for us to receive is wait. Wait. Because we have the finality of yes, or we have the finality of no. And waiting, it's hard for us to see. Well, I'm just trying to tell you that in your waiting time, God has not forgotten about you. God still sees you, and he's going to interact, and he's going to move on your behalf because he remembers the promises that you have over your life. What are you struggling with this morning? Pastor Jerome, if you're here, if you want to come on up. No matter what you're suffering from today, God will help you have the faith that you need to make it through. It's not easy to have the faith in waiting, but God will respond. God has not forgotten about us, and his plan will come to pass. As I was preparing 
this message for this morning. I was trying to think of a way in which we can close this part of the service because I believe that the Lord wants to do something awesome and mighty because I believe that this is the time. The Lord has revealed that this is the time in which he's going to respond to some of your moments of suffering and anguish. But as I was thinking about how to, to lead up to that moment, I was thinking about just different ways to close this service. And I, I thought of this man named Horatio Spafford. Everybody say Spafford. He knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney. We can play the music really low. It makes it a little bit better here. Because <laughs> if not, it's just a story. There it is. Everybody say Spafford. Thank you. Horatio Spafford knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney and successful real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking of taking a vacation and how good it would do for his family, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. Talk about experiencing suffering for this man. More than 200 people lost their lives in that shipwreck including all four of Horatio Spafford's precious daughters. He's lost his son and all four of his daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved, all alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the very spot where the shipwreck had occurred. The very spot where over 200 people had suffered and died, including four, the four daughters of Horatio. As Horatio thought about his daughters, words of comfort and hope filled his heart and his mind. He wrote them down, and since then they have become the words to the well-beloved hymn that has literally been recited ever since that moment on. <clears throat> I'm not going to sing, but when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like a sea, like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. This man, after suffering a tremendous amount of heartache, loss, the loss of a business, the loss of five children, having to deal with his wife. And if you read Horatio's story beyond this moment, he actually experienced even more loss in his family where he had to bury even more children. But yet it was the words of this hymn that brought him strength and comfort during the times of suffering. It is well, it is well with my soul. 
Do you know how we can get to that moment of knowing that it is well with our soul? We get to that moment by knowing that God hears you in your moments of suffering. He hears your cries. And if you can get to the moment where you realize that God hears my cries in the moment of suffering, where you're alone at night, where you feel like that nobody else hears your cries, when you get to the moment where you realize that God hears your cries, you can say, it is well with my soul. My soul. Once you get to the moment where you realize that God sees you where you are, even when the world has forgotten about you, even when the world has turned their back on you, even when your closest friends or even family has turned their back on you, when you get to the moment where you know that God sees you where you are, you can say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. When, when you realize that God remembers his promises, not because God forgets the way we perceive the word forget. But no, when we get to the point where God remembers, meaning that it's about time that God is going to move and act on your behalf and the promises that he has spoken over your life, the promises that other people have spoken over your life, when you get to that moment where you remember, despite all the junk that's going on in your life, when you get to that point and you remember that God has a promise over you, you can say, it is well with my soul. And finally, when you get to that point and that moment where you realize that God's gonna respond, that even though it may not be my timing, even though it may not be the way that I want it to be, even though it may not be the box that I put God in, when we realize and get to the moment that in the midst of our suffering, God is gonna respond, we can say, it is well with my soul. In the midst of your suffering, in the midst of all the tragedy that's happening or happened in your life, we need to realize that God hears us in the midst of our suffering, and God is going to call us out of our suffering, just as he did the Israelites so many years ago. It is well with my soul. So the question I have for you this morning, if you're watching at home, the question I have for you this morning what is it that you're suffering with? What is it that the enemy has caused you to believe about God? What is it that you're going through, that you've been going through? Maybe you've only gone through it for a couple weeks, or maybe there's even people in this room who've been going through moments of suffering for multiple years, decades. What are you suffering from? How long have you been crying out to God? How long have you questioned whether or not God sees you? I believe with all of my heart that this moment right now is going to be a pivotal moment in your life. It's going to be a pivotal moment in your life. Whether God gives you immediate deliverance from that moment of suffering or God just reminds you of the goodness that he has for you. I believe this is a pivotal moment for your life. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.